Radical, episode 133. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, as I told you guys in the last episode, I am on international travel, so this is a audio-only uh, podcast. You can catch the audio version on YouTube, uh, but there won't be any video for it. Uh, I am abroad, and I mean way, way abroad right now. Um, so I hate to be cagey about things, but you know, safety is a you know personal safety, and in, in terms of pissing off the states, uh, the propaganda, everybody else that's part of the murder cult. It's for my safety uh, not to reveal uh, where I am and, and what I'm doing and all that fun stuff. But I will tell you guys. Um, when I get to go out and do travel, whether it's inside the United States or outside the United States, I'm always planting seeds of liberty and having human interaction uh, and trying to wake at least one person up wherever I go. And sometimes they're very important people that touch a lot of other people. So um, I'll get into all of this in this episode. It's probably going to be a, a shorter episode, um, and and I'll see. Maybe I need to extend it later on uh, when I get done with a little more work. But I found a little time, uh, carved out some things, have been uh, consuming news and everything else. But it's, it's one of those things I want to kind of walk you guys through uh, some of my international travel experience on this trip post-COVID because this is this is the first time. This is my first trip since back in 2020 when I uh, left Denmark. And this this experience has been so eye-opening um, in, in so many ways, both good and terrifying. And so uh, I will get into all that. But first, the admin stuff. If you guys are out there and you want to support me uh, and you don't have a ton of cash or scratch, uh, you can go and leave me a five-star review on Apple. So I would encourage you right now, please, cost you nothing while you're listening. If you got the, the, the dexterity to do something, don't do it while you're driving or something. But uh, if you do have just a moment, please go out there and leave me a five-star review. Uh, if you got a little more time, maybe even write a review and tell me what you love, what you like, whatever about the show. Uh, it does wonders for, for me in terms of bringing me up and, and just you know motivating me to continue to do this kind of stuff in a labor of love uh, for, for liberty and peace. And if you've got some scratch, you want to support the show, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash radicalpod uh, and support it there. But uh, I appreciate all the patrons that have uh, come on. You guys are absolutely amazing, and, and I thank you so much for doing so. It's it's really it, – we're getting ready to do some big, big things. So with all that being said, um, share the heck out of the show. Go out and subscribe everywhere. Uh, share it, social media. Just, just be careful, you know, and, and maybe warn people. Hey, listen, this is going to maybe challenge you. It's going to take some time. Um, but you'll get there, right? This is a, this is a process, like I said in my last show. So, um, let's get into first and foremost, um, the, 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 the travel experience to get to where I have been. And this is all going to be, uh, very much in regards to the tyrannical lockdown disguised as a disease, right? COVID. So I got to, uh, the airport, um, you know, in airports, even in Atlanta, um, you've got to wear a mask as soon as you're inside, got to wear a mask. They'll ban you from flights no matter what. And I think it was very interesting, uh, this week earlier, uh, the, the Senator from Texas, Senator Ted Cruz, he posted something, uh, with it's, you know, a plane in the, in the background and it said, it's time to end mask mandates for fully 
vaccinated Americans on airplanes. And I this struck me as absolutely the most tone-deaf, tyrannical, back-bending, rubber-kneed, spineless, gutless, cowardice bullshit from a quote-unquote constitutional Republican. Republicans have lost their fucking minds. Absolutely lost their minds. Fully vaccinated Americans should be able to, what, travel without a face mask? But if you're not fully vaccinated, he's saying is, no, you're probably still going to need to wear a face mask. So what he's, what he's indicating here is saying that no matter what, you got to wear a face mask unless you're fully vaccinated. Does, he doesn't give a damn about whether you've had COVID, whether you have the antibodies, whether you've chosen not to get vaccinated. He's saying that you're going to have to show proof that you have papers, that you're cleared to travel because of a shot. This is the, this is one of, I don't know, the darlings of the conservatives. And he has bent the knee and come out and said, it's time for papers, basically. It's time for papers. If you want to get back to normal, then it's time for papers. I... This makes me absolutely sick. This is why the Republican Party is going to die. And I can't wait to help it die, especially in Georgia. This is a non-starter. There are enough vaccines out there. If you wanted them by now, you can get vaccinated. For the rest of us who have chosen not to get vaccinated, we've chosen. We know the risk. We are willing to accept those. If your vaccine works, great. You don't need to worry about those of us that have considered our own health our own, uh, you know, our, our own weight, our own morbidity, our own um, vitamin uptake, whatever it is that gives us the peace of mind that we don't want these goddamn shots that are absolutely in test phase. This, this guy is going, probably going to run for president again. This is where the Republican Party is in terms of travel, papers, Papers for travel, papers for unlocking your rights. Let's just call it your privilege to travel again. The privilege bestowed upon you by the state. We all know that airlines are absolutely subsidized to no end, receive tons and tons and tons of taxpayer-funded money, right? Like taxpayer-thefted money, we should say. Um, and, and so the, the, the entire industry needs to, to be, you know, non-subsidized. The money needs to be taken out of it. And we need to get travel back into the private sector exclusively to where it makes sense, to where markets will support, you know, trip from A to point B and things like that. What we've got now is, has gotten so out of control. Obviously, we've got people who are running as Republicans who are pushing papers on Americans to, to fly without a mask. It's, it's incredible. So anyway, um, I, I got through, you know, security and all that. It's, it's changed a little bit in Hartsfield. Um, it's not any more efficient whatsoever. Uh, it's, it's draconian, you know, it's all theater, you know, for those of you guys that don't know, I think about 90 plus percent of anything, uh, the, the, the red teams who go in and audit, the security system of passing through the, the TSA, they, they get through 90% of the contraband. So if it's, if it's banned, whether it's guns or drugs or whatever it is, 
um, that they're trying to push through these checkpoints to get it through. So they've spent, you know, I, I think it's close to 25 to 20 uh, $9 billion in, in TSA security, uh, and it's all theater. So I, I moved through this, and, you know, throughout the airport, you can move around, and if you've got a drink and you're, you know, basically seated, uh, seated in an area where uh, it's okay to take your mask off, you can take your mask off while you're eating or drinking, okay? Um, in, the, in the lounge where, you know, Flying International, you get to go into the lounge and all that fun stuff. So I'm in the lounge and, you know, the people in the lounge, you know, that are seated also have their mask off. And I mean, they're not six feet apart. They're not any of the, you know, and I know Fauci's come out and said, oh, no, it's three feet. So, you know, the the wild inconsistency, the thing, the idea that, you know, it's okay to do this, but you got to put your mask on to move around. And I mean, it's just, it's awful. So this happens once you get on the plane, you've got to keep your mask on the entire time. And I don't care if you're sleeping, they will come by and wake you up and tell you, hey, please put your mask on while you're sleeping. And, you know, you change it out every four hours or whatever, and they'll give you a new mask and, you know, you still take it off while you eat and drink which on very long flights you know eight hours is probably at least a couple times so the people you're sitting around they're still going to be exposed to the air that you're exhaling you're still going to be exposed to the air they're exhaling you're going to be exposed but to anything in terms of your your tactical sense you know where you you reach out and you touch Whatever they're, they're, they're serving you, whether it's a bottle of water, some peanuts, whatever it is. And they're going to do that over and over and over again. They're going to walk up and down the aisles and they're going to touch things that you've touched. And you're going to touch things that they've touched. And it's going to go down the aisle back and forth for eight hours. It's insanity to think that anybody on that flight isn't going to be exposed to whatever is around them. You're going to be exposed to whatever is around them. And before you fly to most countries um, that are, you know, allowing uh, tourists or business travel into their country, you also have to have a PCR test, right? A PCR test is, um, you know, the, the nasal swab within about 48 hours of landing of wherever you're going to land. So to have all this stuff done, to have negative results uh, on top of it, to, to see this, you're, you're sitting there going, this is control. This is the, the lemmings saying you have to do this kind of stuff. There's no exceptions. There's not one steward or stewardess or flight attendant that can tell you, man, don't worry about it, guys, because one of the other ones will say, well, maybe you need to worry about it. And to be honest with you, I think a lot of people who are exposed to nothing but corporateness and the the propaganda media that's out there this is all they ever see and they are scared to death still right not to mention you know maybe 40 percent of america um has been vaccinated i heard a statistic on the way over there while watching some of the uh, news on bloomberg that only 50 percent of the adults in the eu have been fully vaccinated and that number really, really struck me. I was, I was kind of taken back that America had been vaccinated to, you know, fully about 40-something percent. And the, the EU is really just a couple notches above that with 
all the propaganda that is being poured into the EU. The, the, the idea that they are, you know, in terms of just ideas, they're, they're more comfortable with statism, whether it's socialized healthcare or, you know, the, the idea that, you know, maybe your privacy isn't all your privacy or, or um, free speech or versus hate speech and all these other, you know, rights that we, we at least think about in the United States and, and have in, in the constitution, not that, not that they exist. Trust me. I know they don't exist, but it, the indoctrination is so much heavier in, in the EU for these things where you kind of waive your, your rights for healthcare, you waive your rights for free speech, you waive your rights for, you know, def- personal protection and, and self-preservation. So the fact that these guys are only at 50% tells me so much about what is transpiring around the world. And these are first world countries where people have been propagandized, where they have the resources and where these, you know, these shots have been rolled out in mass and they cannot get the population overwhelming majority of the population to take them. And I believe, you know, that honestly, they are probably inflating these statistics probably by a good 10%, probably not more than that because they want to be in a margin of error. But I believe wholeheartedly that this is, this is being uh, inflated for their own purposes. Now, what they also said on Bloomberg in the same segment is that they have enough vaccines for over 70% of the population to be vaccinated, right? So there's not a shortage. They're not waiting in lines, you know, in, in terror. People don't want these vaccines, these shots, these the, this test that they're performing across the globe right now. Nobody wants it, right? Like the, the people in the poor countries, man, like they don't want it. They don't want to get vaccinated. They don't want to do these things. And then I see the next segment come on and I'm watching the uh, prime minister of France, Macron, um, start talking about health passes, health passes, the piece of paper that we railed against the piece of paper in the libertarian party. I think it was the, the libertarian party of Kentucky talked about, you know, show us your papers, right? Like this is on par with 19 late 1930s Germany. He started talking about how only the vaccinated would be able to access transportation, public transportation, trains, which is a huge thing in France. Grocery stores. Think about that. Grocery stores. Places where you can go and sit down and have a meal in restaurants and cafes. Only the fully vaccinated can travel and provide themselves with food to eat. This, man, when I saw this, I just it kind of hit me in the gut. I was, I was floored. This is taking hold in a first world country that only 50% of the people are vaccinated in, roughly. You can only travel, you can only you know, feed yourself if you are fully vaccinated, no talk of antibodies, people who have survived COVID, people who have opted out. 
there, there, there is no way to make sense out of this except for control. Boris Johnson, uh, out of uh, the, the Prime Minister of the UK, came on next. And he talks about how the pandemic is not over. We haven't been in pandemic stages for a long time in most parts of the world, including the UK. Not France, not the UK, not America. And for a state, for, for, for heads of state to continue to make this argument that there is only one way and that even though those of you that are vaxxed believe that the vaccination is supposed to work and you're supposed to be protected, can't be around people who are unvaccinated because there's still a risk. Makes absolutely no sense. It, what we're talking about is, no kidding, by definition, a psychosis. Right? This is psychotic, what is going on right now across France, the UK, America, and a lot of other countries. It's, it's, it's amazing to me that they, can, that they're, they continue to perpetuate this in a climate where the friction between people and governments is on the rise. And here's the thing that I think is extremely important is now they can't go back. And I think it's our job. We were talking about the other day um, on, on my show um, was uh, Sun Tzu's golden bridge of retreat, right? Making it easy for your enemies to, to remove themselves from the equation, to, to, to retreat, to, to move off of their violent footing. And I think at this point, they've gone too far. They're too far invested, both emotionally, spiritually, and politically, to start moving backwards, to lay off to entertain the idea that there's an other way. Now, I've talked a lot about uh, ivermectin in the past, and there is a pretty good article over on Blaze right now by uh, Mr. Horowitz. This was uh, this is Daniel Horowitz on June 9th, twenty twenty one. Uh, so a little while back, but I was I was looking into ivermectin because of what's happened in places like India. India is saw this huge surge, absolutely huge surge in COVID. And India, especially in places like New Delhi, um, started basically uh, going out and, and, and pushing ivermectin into their society. And they saw such dramatic relief of people coming down in cases, in numbers, recovering fully recovering and it dropped off the radar of everybody. So I'm going to read this article and we're going to, we're going to talk about it a little bit. We're going to look at a, a couple other things in terms of the media and the divide this, this, you know, people accepting whatever comes out of that glowing screen in their living rooms. It, the stark contrast is amazing to me. Last week, 
Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister launched a $1 million grant to convince hesitant communities to get themselves vaccinated with one of the experimental shots on the market. But if people are hesitant about the experimental gene therapy, that has already racked up a record number of serious adverse events on the CDC's Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VIRS. Why not spend that money persuading people to get ivermectin, a safe and effective early and pro, uh, prophylic COVID treatment that has been approved by the FDA and the WHO for for other uses for years. In a recent video clip from his forums, Pallister was asked by a caller about another kind of hesitancy, not hesitancy to vaccinate, but, quote, hesitancy to talk about ivermectin and other early treatments. The caller cited the evidence about this drug, which does no harm and causes no risk to try it. The female caller completed her thought by asking him, quote, are we doing anything with that? And if not, why not? I think this is a tremendous question. Absolutely tremendous question. To be able to ask a, you know, basically Manitoba being the head of a, a province of Canada, a state within itself. The fact that media won't ask these questions, won't push these questions, won't report on ivermectin that actively goes out of their way to suppress this is is damning absolutely damning for what is coming to these people in a recent video clip uh, sorry next next paragraph as if to illustrate the caller's point Pallister responded to her question about hesitancy to talk about ivermectin by refusing to talk about ivermectin. Like a programmed robot, Pallister blinked his eyes during her question, then proceeded to answer by discussing more about the vaccine. We're pursuing, quote, we're pursuing domestic research that we hope can lead to better vaccine availability in the future. Perhaps not during this wave, but when we need boosters in coming years, end quote answered the Manitoba Premier. He then quickly finished the discussion, put on his mask, even though he is vaccinated, and concluded the session. They're cowards. They are controlled cowards, and it seems like they've been threatened, maybe had you know somebody come to them within their own government or some other lines of communication and said, you will push this. Or we will find somebody else. Do you guys know that in some of the countries out there, and I wish I had it in front of me, I was just reading this the other day, the the heads of state that have said, no, we're not we're not pushing your shot, your experimental shot on our population, a couple of them have turned up dead. And I'll try to find those uh, for my next show. Because right now, we are, we are ramping up. I mean, there are there is extreme civil unrest uh, in places like, South Africa and very close to us in Cuba now. And people are being starved to death. Their their families are dying. They are desperate. Their bank accounts have been depleted. They're going through bankruptcy. They've lost family members, whatever the case. The world is really, really 
and a ton of turmoil. And it's all because of control. It's all because the government thought they could say, no, sorry, human beings, you plebes down there that can't afford private airlines and things like that or you know, whatever the case. You guys are going to do as we say or we are going to make your life a living hell. People are done with it. Absolutely done. The video embodies criminal behavior of the political class and centering life-saving, cheap treatments like ivermectin. Even in the vaccine-crazed Israel, they found in a small study of 30 patients that all of them recovered with the use of ivermectin. 29 of them within three to five days. In India, which was a hotspot until recently, much of the country began using ivermectin. Delhi saw a 99% decline in cases after beginning universal use of ivermectin, while cases were going down everywhere after reaching some level of immunity, a 99% reduction from April 24th to June 7th is remarkable and much steeper than anywhere else in the world following the big wave. That is, I mean, to, to, to go from 24,100 cases April 24th of 2021, just a little over you know, a month and some change, to... 231 cases on June 7th of 2001. I'm sorry, 2021. So a matter of literally a couple weeks, they dropped almost 24,000 cases. All of them. 99%. To have 231 people sick in places like New Delhi, well, big deal, right? Like at any given time, and a population that's that compact, that is, you know, in terms of being on top of each other, that has that kind of densification, uh, dense population density, is astronomically challenging. I don't think you could do that with damn near anything. I don't think I don't think you could probably do that with the cold. I don't think you can do that with the flu. I don't think you do that with chicken pox. I don't care. Like. Most diseases, like you're not going to see a 99% drop in two weeks, especially in compact, you know, very dense populated areas, maybe that don't have the best water, that don't have the best healthcare, that don't have, you know, the, the I don't know, just, just the best health in general. It's this, this India case with ivermectin absolutely blows Everything that the states, the propagandists, the social media, and the pharmaceutical companies have been railing for for the past year and some change that have destroyed the lives of tens of millions of people around the world, if not hundreds and hundreds of millions. Back to this article real quick. A similar dynamic played out in the state of uh, Uttar Pradesh, which is now 98% off of its peak of COVID cases in late April. India's overall reduction since its peak five weeks ago was 76% more in line with what we saw in the U.S. and Europe once the peak wave passed with a modicum 
of herd immunity when it kicked in. Um, there's a, he's got a Twitter article in here from at COVID-19 Crusher. India is carpet bombing COVID with ivermectin with a production now increased to 77 million pills per month. Brazil is still refusing to learn and its parliament is apparently discussing the ban of all early treatments. Reminder, COVID tests per capita. Brazil, 23%. India, 26%. And he's got a, um, conf- a, a graph below it. It says new confirmed COVID-19 cases per day normalized by population. Uh, and it shows, obviously, they, they both come up and they spike. But then India's drops off like a cliff. Well, Brazil is still kind of hanging out. Uh, up there at uh, some extremely high rates, right? We're talking almost like 300 or almost, you know, 30,000 cases. Despite Fauci warning about the India Delta variant being more deadly and continuing to push vaccines as the only solution, in reality, India's death rate from COVID, even after achieving what appears to be herd immunity, is just one-seventh of our COVID death rate. And that of other European countries. India's death rate is even lower than Israel's and fairly close to that of Finland, which has largely escaped the worst of the virus so far. And then he gives some some other charts, obviously proving his point here. This is infuriating. This is absolutely madness to me. And you'll have some dumb broads on Good Morning America 3 that are talking about this. And I say that um, with all the intention in the world. These bought and paid for bimbos that get up in the morning and laugh and snicker and talk on international type television will tell you absolute lies to your face. This is what you need to know with Good Morning America 3. And I want you to have a listen after just talking about what's happened in India. What this woman who is supposedly a doctor will tell you about ivermectin and its uses. All right, Jen is with us here. So we've got a lot of uh, headlines about some possible medications that work as treatments for COVID-19, and several are controversial, including one that generated, actually generated a comment from the... So she's already setting this up. She, I mean, if you don't see the setups come in, stop watching mainstream media by yourself. Like, if you can't see this kind of stuff coming in, and I know a lot of you have turned this shit off forever, but if you're new, if you're, you know, a former neocon or a neoliberal or Democrat or Republican, whatever the hell you call yourself, that's not you know, quite in line with libertarianism yet. Notice how they're framing this. This is controversial, right? Like what we're about to talk about is some some controversial stuff that you need to be aware of, maybe even scared of. Be fearful because we can't control you guys and what you do without fear. We can't, we can't, you know, take the money of the pharmaceutical companies. We can't take the money of the government. We can't take the, the, the money of you know, social media, whatever it is. We can't take their money if we don't spit this kind of bullshit, dumpster fire, flaming hot garbage, nonsense propaganda at the people. And we're going to frame it as if 
you should be scared because people out there are trying to mislead you. FDA, that's right, and social media myth busting. So let's take a look at this drug. It's called ivermectin. Social media myth busting, right? Beware of social media. Don't get your news from you know other decentralized sources out there. Don't get them from podcasts. Don't get them from blogs. Don't get them from new networks that are popping up because they're leaving our shitty programming in absolute crazy numbers for those guys. Right? Like they can't control it. They can't control the narrative. So they're trying to control it here and they are flailing right now. Here we go people need to know about it. First of all, it is growing in terms of rumors circulating on social media about its use specifically for COVID-19 in India. That is not based in reality or fact. It is FDA approved. So she's just going to, she's not going to offer, she's not going to offer any site of, of any information to the contrary. She's just going to throw it out there on its own face and say, there's no fact to it, right? There, these, there are rumors on social media of this is what's happening. I mean, God almighty. I, I wish you could just grab these people and take them to those places where this kind of stuff is happening and say, tell us it's not happening. Tell us it's not working. Tell us that this is not true. Look at where the lines are. Look at where the lines aren't for testing. Look at where the lines are for vaccines. Go talk to the people. Have they seen recovery? Have, do you, can, you, can you put people you know, in, a, in a little interview? Can you go and do some damn ground-pounding type journalism? No, no, no. You're going to fear-monger. You're going to throw out something that says, no, it's just not based in fact, and then try to let it stand on its own. I don't know who buys this bullshit, but there are people out there, I think, that still buy it. I have no idea how. And then she says the FDA approved treatment for intest is it, it's an FDA approved treatment for intestinal parasites. Well, ivermectin has got tons and tons of uses. What they'll call them is off label, right? Because they were specifically designed for a you know a veterinary type, you know, heartworm or to to keep parasites out of cattle or something like that, and that that's how it should be used. We shouldn't use it in any other way. Why? The hell not. If it works and we don't have people keeling over from it, the fact that it's got a Nobel Prize awarded to it in 2015, and we're going to sit here and try to you know, look at this very myopically. We're going to try to you know, make people look at ivermectin as a solution for only one of the things, right? It's original purpose, on label only. That's the only reason the FDA is, you know, approve this. And you shouldn't be using it outside the FDA approval because we all know how damn great the FDA is at doing their job. Incredible. In the United States for treatments of intestinal parasites, so things like roundworms in humans, it's also used regularly in animals in veterinary medicine to prevent parasites, things like heartworm. It is not I want to emphasize it is not an antiviral. So its use in unindicated situations, both in humans or in animals, is dangerous and not advised. Huh. Dangerous and not advised. You know what else is dangerous and not advised? 
getting COVID. <laughs> what is also dangerous is untested shots. They're supposed to be the, the cure, right? And it's like they're pushing one. But on the other hand, they're saying stay as far away from this one as possible. It's insanity. And then they're going to just sit up there, glib as they can be, and move on to the next subject, you know, where they've got shit icing all over everything. And they're like, here, just take a big bite out of our propaganda. It, it makes me furious. In, incredibly furious. Back to the article by Horowitz. It says, and no, and no, the secret sauce is not the vaccine because fewer than 15% of Indians have received at least one dose, while over 50% of Americans and 60% of the British citizens have received, have already had one shot. But we said, you know, in terms of being fully vaccinated, both shots, they're both at about 50%. I get, probably put that a little bit lower than that. He goes on, he's got some more graphs between... Um, the United Kingdom, the United States, Germany, and um, India. And the share of people who received the last one dose of COVID-19, right? Like you're, you're looking at a much, much lower rate. So if we're at, you know, 40% and, and the EU is somewhere around 50, India is down at 15% of the first dose. The secret sauce is natural immunity which is much stronger than the vaccine, along with arming people with early cheap treatments to obtain the natural immunity as risk-free as possible. In a remarkable contrast from the legal establishment in the U.S., the Indian Bar Association served uh, this doctor that I'm not going to butcher his name, an Indian pediatrician who is the chief scientist at the World Health Organization with a legal notice for spreading disinformation about ivermectin. This Indian doctor recently tweeted that the WHO advises against the use of ivermectin outside clinical trials. And he goes in um, to the tweet here, and I'll link this uh, later on. Uh, says the latest update to the WHO COVID-19 treatment guidelines on ivermectin only to be used in clinical trials. Evidence benefits inconclusive. So the Indian Bar Association has served this doctor... Uh, Sumia, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to butcher her name too much. I just, I'm too tired to put up with the, the bullshit, but they've, they've served her and she's, she's a pediatrician who is saying, you know, outlandish things about, you know, the, the application of ivermectin in the overwhelming face of it working in India. Really? I think it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Now, uh, it goes on uh, in this article to talk about how different parts of India have tried some different things. Some Indians, some Indian states have taken this guidance to heart. In the southern state of Tamil Nadu, the newly elected governor, M.K. Stalin, excluded ivermectin from the treatment protocol and opted instead for expensive and ineffective remdesivir. The result... Just the opposite of Delhi. The virus continued to peak for an extra month, and the only recently began to recede at a much slower rate. That's important, right? 
because when you're using remdesivir instead of uh, ivermectin, you get you know more continued contagious uh, type of disease, and then when it does recede, it recedes much much slower. That's a big damn deal. Uh, it goes in and shows the charts on this. Uh, the new cases when it was up, like we said before, uh, in Delhi, you know, they had over 24,000 and it dropped to 200. This uh, has gone up uh, to, to 35,000. And when you see the retreat on it, it is much, much slower. The state of GOA, uh, Goya, I guess is how you pronounce that, which is also in the north began offering ivermectin to all adults on May 11th. The 87% drop in four weeks is remarkable, and it is steep. You know, they went down, went from 11, let's see, new cases, May 11th, 3,000, uh, seven-day average to 3,400. Uh, 3, I mean, you can just see where, where this works. Ditto um, for... And I'm, I'm going to butcher some of these, and I apologize if it's your homeland. Uh, Karnataka, another southern state neighboring to Malnandu, and sanctioned the use of ivermectin. It shows, you know, about the same, the same where it hasn't dropped off. Um, in another state, uh, ivermectin, this is uh, Utara Kanhand, I guess, is. I, I guess, I'm sorry, guys. My international Indian diction is awful. Another ivermectin state in the north. Cases dropped by 95% since its peak. It went from, jeez, uh, I mean, th these statistics are incredible. This, The point is that while the herd immunity seems to be a major factor, the states that used ivermectin seem to experience an earlier peak and a steeper decline in cases than those that shunned ivermectin. The troubling question is what these curves would have looked like had the WHO recommended ivermectin before the virus began to spread and if it had used at the first sign of trouble with the same religious fervor as vaccines, remdesivir, and mask. We will never know, but we can surmise that the curves would have been milder based on the results we are seeing from those countries that used it once they were in a world of trouble. And pause here for a second. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously all very obvious. And I, th I think what we, we talk about with where government uses force and coercion, you will never understand what it has truly cost us. It has cost us lives. It has cost us the passion of those lives, which... You know, what I talk about is passion when when fostered can lead to genius and geniuses lift humanity. We're talking about four million deaths worldwide at this point. Four million potential geniuses worldwide will never ever recognize their potential. Right? What is the cost of that? This has gone through and it has taken people out of their livelihoods, a lot of businesses, um, Literally, hundreds of millions of small businesses were crushed this year. People had to dip into their savings, their retirement. It, it, it has dried up all the savings and funds that people have worked their entire lives for. To retire on, to live comfortably in old age, to not be a drag on their family or the people in their neighborhood or their community 
or their state or their country. What is the cost of that? It's not going to be good for the old people because what's going to happen? They're going to be shunned. They're going to be pushed to the side and other people that are struggling to get by that are caring for a younger family. Are they going to be able to take care of them in a, in a, in a climate of inflation? It, it makes, I mean, when you see what's happening in the compounding of these things and where governments are, are trying to limit what you can do based on your, your, your shot history, what you're starting to see is the makings for a, a, just a, a mess on biblical proportions. And I mean that because as I'm out and abroad and I see, you know, what is happening and, and, and how people are being restricted to where they can go, and what they can do, uh, how they can interact freely and just breathe air freely where you've got a 20%, you know, margin between people who have been vaccinated and the amount of vaccines that they have. People are rejecting the risk of the, the, the shots and this force and coercion to push them into it is going to drive them to do a, a number of different things. And one of those things is going to be to find freer pastures. And where do you think that leads? That leads to places like America. People are going, you think we've got a, a problem with immigration in America now. You haven't seen anything. And I know, you know, as libertarians, we talk about, you know, private property. And this is a very nuanced conversation. If you're new to the show, go back and listen to why it's nuanced. I'm not going to get into it in the show. I'll do another show on it. But in a state that hands out welfare, that is just printing, you know, trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars every year. This is going to attract more and more people, because if you're freer in these parts of, of the U.S., people will try to get there because their lives depend on it. What happens to the U.S. then? What happens to the quality of life? What happens when there is a mass push and migration to get to the United States and it succeeds? People have no idea the ramifications that are coming because of this thing. No idea. And I, I, I struggle with the idea that they don't understand this. I think they totally understand this. And it's, it's almost like they're pushing people away from their own collapsing society. Who can handle this? I'm going to tell you right now, the fact that our, our ancestors fought and made sure that they passed down the understanding of the rights of, of self-preservation is the only thing that has saved America from being like the rest of the world in this case. And boy, I'll tell you, after seeing what I'm seeing around the world, these protests that are rising, I mean, France is now on fire again. The people in the streets are pissed. This vaccine, you know, lockdown, this 
this, this tyranny, there are people, there are millions of people in the streets again in France. This is, this is not going away anytime soon. Back to the article. Mexico experienced a sharp increase in cases during the winter, but enjoyed much success in the regions that used ivermectin. Last month, Mexico City Mayor Claudia Schoenbaum held a press conference where she claimed a study showed ivermectin decreased the likelihood of hospitalization in her large metropolis by between 52 and 76%. Those Those are amazing numbers. For a drug that costs a couple cents to make, those are amazing numbers. I don't think that the vaccine even has those kind of numbers. I the quote unquote shot. In the last paragraph here. No, 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 it's not. You're you're almost there. The question everyone needs to answer is this: With all of the adverse reporting from the experimental vaccines, why do the global authorities continue to push them like candy without further study? When they refused to greenlight ivermectin with 29 randomized controlled trials vouching for its efficacy with no side effects and 4 billion doses dispensed over decades. Yeah, decades, ladies and gents. And it's Nobel Prize winning. Following the money trail will be very instructive in answering this question. Why would GAVI, the Vaccine Alliance, Pay for Google AdWords to warn against ivermectin. Why are big pharma and big government censoring every alternative treatment, including the ironclad research behind preemptively bulking up one's vitamin D, vitamin C, and zinc levels? Those questions provide the answer to the censorship of ivermectin. According to GAVI's website, the Gates Foundation pledged U.S. $750 million to give to set up uh, GAVI in 1999, and the foundation is a key Gavi partner in the vaccine market shaping. I want to pause here. Now, my buddy Chris, and you know who you are, Goy Sweta, you're out there, man. I just saw something uh, that hit my Twitter feed, and I retweeted it because I thought it was brilliant. People like... George Soros and um, Bill Gates, you know, they've talked about the earth being overpopulated for a long time. And all of a sudden, they are pushing tons and tons and tons of money, not as doctors, not as health experts. I mean, look at those guys into a shot that can save the lives of what millions? How ridiculous is that idea? I mean, when you see it in that clear context, that guy was the son of a Fabian socialist who was on the board of Planned Parenthood, responsible for helping literally murder tens of millions of babies. George Soros is always, you know, I mean, God... The fact that he's still alive and he's linked to the Nazi party back in you know the 1940s, for God's sakes. The fact that they are pushing a vaccine when they have also said over and over and over again on record that the world is, is overpopulated. Boy, 
I think a lot of people out there that are getting the vaccine might be uh, regretting it here in the very near future. Back to the article. Well, boxing out all alternative treatments is one way to engage in vaccine marketing shaping. There's nothing quite like a market with just one show in town. Indeed, the Wuhan lab is not the biggest story of COVID. It's the global genocide that is taking place at the hands of those who claim to care most about COVID, yet ensures that any effective treatment is not made available to the public. That's the end of that article. And, you know, like, I'm not a big Horowitz fan. I'm really not. But I'll tell you right now, this, this is incredible. There are 4 million people dead around the world when ivermectin, a, a drug that the quote-unquote you know, top pathological propagandist, Dr. Fauci in the United States, has talked about in terms of efficacy for a long time with, with COVID. I think since about 2005. And, you know, the great Dave Smith the other day tweeted something about, like, at what point, you know, do you think the social media companies are part of the state? And I, I'm telling you, you guys have heard me. I've been on record on this show saying, listen, the last thing we want is the state in control of these social media companies, of tech at all, whether it's Twitter or YouTube or Facebook. You think it's bad with a private market. Wait until you the government gets their hands on it. But we're there. They have, for the past year and a half, silenced, oppressed, deplatformed, othered the people that have been talking about ivermectin, vitamin D, getting sunlight, having zinc in your system, all of these things that help, you know, therapeutics that help your system, help your immune, your immune system thrive to beat this kind of stuff that are safe, that are tested, that have been in existence for decades, if not longer. They have shut people down. And I am, I am now to the point where I think that the social media companies are absolutely part of the state. I don't know. I don't have the answer on what to do about it. I don't know that you can break them up. Because here's the other thing is when you look at how they're applied to our lives, they come through what? They come through telecommunications and they come through a device that's made by a different party. So if Apple won't carry, let's just, let's just say for the, the sake of argument, let's just say that they are broken up, antitrust and all this fun stuff. And, you know, different parts go to different places and new things are you know, put in motion for social media so that voices are not oppressed. Those apps might get shut down on those systems. Those carriers might not allow, you know, for the distribution of, of their product in terms of communications if that's part of it. This is how 
awful and insidious the fucking murder cult is. These people have gone to the this length, this point, this investment all together. And it's killed four million people. It's time to start calling this what it is. This is a goddamn genocide. It's a genocide of regular people. And those at the very, very, very top, the very powerful, the absolutely rich versus you, your family, your community. And I'm telling you right now, just to be on travel, to see what's going on, this might be the last time I leave the United States. Because it's not getting better. It's not getting better around the world. It's getting worse. This is, in the country that I'm in now, in the country that I flew through to get here, these places are going in to shock. They are going in to, you know, all sorts of different type of of discrimination. All is going to require a pass, a piece of paper, something on your phone, an app, something saying that you have complied with a state coercion and force so that you may live your life. That is absolutely terrifying to me. Luckily, we've got some places, we have some bastions in the United States that are extremely well-armed, that are saying, we are not going to do this any longer. And there are people from every walk of life who are joining us. Be patient with them. Introduce them slow. Tell them, hey, this is going to take you a minute. Okay? And I feel for you. Because when I had to go through this, I had this conversation with two men last night from different parts of the world. One was a Frenchman who lives in the UAE, and the other one was a Brit. And when we had these conversations, their eyes began to light up because they they were clued in, they were receptive. And when I when I took this approach, it worked. Said so if you got questions about this kind of stuff, ask me. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some books because you guys are floating out in space, like I said the last time. Be sympathetic, open your heart to them, tell them your stories. It works, it works, it works. These are amazing people. There are amazing people all around the world that are scared to death right now. You need to start getting your life buttoned up. You need to start spending some real quality time with your family. And this has been in the back of my mind lately. You know, obviously I don't record on weekends anymore and I apologize that my schedule is very erratic and and chaotic because I wish I could deliver you guys a show every day when you wake up so that you can enjoy it at some point during your day or bring you information, teach you something, uh, bring you a new personality, whatever it is. I wish that was my life and it's not. I'm going to continue to to work to get there. But I'm also going to tell you right now, 
is I have this lingering feeling that I need to be with my family as much as possible in the coming days and weeks and months and, you know, possibly years. Because at this point, I don't see the state relenting. I don't see them backing off. I see them continuing to push because they want violence. They want us to react. They want to destroy us to destroy the people. I should say us. They want it to be perceived that we have destroyed the peace when for a year and a half straight we have endured genocide, crimes against humanity, the suppression and censoring of voices and people and ideas. And I'm done. I am absolutely done. I think most people are done with this. I think there are some really, really scared people. Some people who have been shut inside for way too damn long. That have been isolated. Tortured. And I do mean tortured. Because they didn't have anybody. They didn't have family. They didn't have friends. They haven't... They haven't been out and about to see that people are still alive. So I encourage you guys, get your affairs in order. Really, really sink your time into your family, your neighborhood, your community. Find out who the, the people that are receptive to this kind of stuff are. Find out who the good people are, even though they might not be as far down the road. Give them time. Encourage them. Feed them. Feed them information and podcasting books. That's that's what I ask of you guys. And have those meaningful conversations. I don't care whether it's over a beer or a smoke or whatever. Sit down and have these philosophical conversations because you guys can win. Every time when principle is complied consistently, you're winning. I see it all the time. I see brains just melting. And I see hope in people's eyes that is based in truth that is applied equally across the board and it's like they finally found something that they can stand their feet on firmly and say hey thank you can you imagine do you remember what it felt like to receive that life raft when you were out in the middle of this proverbial ocean where you were just floating along looking that's what you are Go out there and do amazing things. Work your ass off for liberty. It's all the messaging. It's an all of the above approach. Find common ground. Find alliances. Do everything you can. Because your life does depend on it. The life of your family depends on it. Your livelihoods depend on it. Your communities depend on it. And we can do it. That's going to do it for this international show of Radical. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I will try maybe to squeak another one out. Uh, I'm going to be pretty tired by the time I get back. But um, it might be a Friday afternoon, evening, or Saturday show. But you guys are my people, and I am going to do whatever I can to make this stuff happen for you. So anyway, thank you guys. Go out there, like, smash, subscribe, all the buttons, leave reviews, become patrons. You guys know what to do. And uh, I appreciate everything you do. I love you. I need you. Peace.
don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.